Good morning. Being in the family of God. It's a great family to be a part of. There's nothing better than being in the family of God. Now, we also have our earthly families, right? And the neat thing about earthly families, God came up with the idea of that too. And you can't pick the earthly family you were born in or you were adopted into. I mean, that just, that happened, right? And the Bible also tells us if we're in the family of God, another incredible thing happened. God picked us, he chose us to be in his family. That's amazing, isn't it? He chose you. Well, family's big. I mean, there's so many shows that have had the, the word family in it. Can, can you think of some? Family Ties, remember that? The Family Man, All in the Family, The Partridge Family. I mean, when I watched The Partridge Family, I still can't believe those color schematics were popular. You know, the shag carpet, everything's yellow. You know, it's just, I cannot believe the 70s were considered a great decade of, like, anything. <laughs> you know? And so there's the Partridge family, and then there's the Adams family. Now, which one would you describe your family to be? The Partridge family or the Adams family? Just having some fun, you know? But family is important because family is God's idea. Listen to these verses from Romans chapter 8, our text. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and then verse 15. It says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Think about that. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Are you being led by the Spirit of God in your personal life? Are you being led by the Spirit of God in your family life? Are you being led by the Spirit of God in your professional life? God made us his children. He chose us through the waters of holy baptism. And the scriptures tell us that he has redeemed us, he has called us by name, and we belong to him. The question is, are we following him? Our Lord is the Lord of the family. And we are underneath him. Now verse 15. That's what verse 15 of our text says. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Right there when you were baptized. God chose you. He brought you into the family. Were we worthy to be in the family? Did we do anything to merit belonging to God's family? No. But he chose us anyway. That's God's grace, and that's his love. A church is a family. And in the children's message, I had that, uh, that uh, birdhouse that's built in the shape of a church, and the door is open. The door is open 
to symbolize how God's grace is always open to those who seek Him. God does not shut His door of grace on anyone. The door is open. Because He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Now, there are some people who shut the door on themselves. But God's door is always open. And that's why when it comes to our church and our academy, figuratively and literally, we want as many doors open as possible so people find out about the love of Jesus Christ, the love of family that we have here. So God's idea of a church is an idea of a bunch of individual families gathered into the Lord's family, and then that's one family of believers. In Hebrews 10, 25, our Lord says that He wants us to fellowship together with the assembly, with the family of believers. When you come here to our Savior Lutheran Church and Academy, I pray that you feel like you're with family. That's what God wants. And a family is there to love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. And this is biblical. Our Lord says that we should be doing all of those things because the day is fast approaching when Christ will come back again and will gather His family together and take them home. Now here's the question as a family. As a family of believers here, gathered under word and sacrament ministry, where God comes to us as His children. When people come through these doors, do they sense and know that we are a family that loves them? You know, we want every person when they come onto the campus of our Savior Lutheran Church and Academy to feel God's love and His presence. You know, some people, they tell me when they go into a church, not ours necessarily, but a lot of churches, when they go into a church, they feel like they've stumbled across a family reunion and they weren't invited. (laughs) Or they're not part of the family. We don't want anybody to feel like that here. I have to tell you, my family, we are very impressed with this family here. You have embraced us, the Reuter family, and made us feel like family. It's incredible. And I have to give some kudos to a lot of people that I see in this family reaching out to others day in and day out, out in the narthex, the lobby, the hallways. They're doing it. I see Janice Dukes. Doesn't she treat people like family? Even if she doesn't know somebody's name, she's going to find somebody's name out. Lee Compton, she's like that too. Dwayne Basquette, he meets everybody. Nina Schneider, aren't we blessed with her? Isn't she a great secretary? And the first face they see when they come here, I'm glad it's her face and not mine. (laughs) But this is what family does. I have to mention Jan Perkinson, too. She's out there. Man, we reach out to people. We make people feel like 
this is home. You know, that's how Jesus was. He went to where the people were. He embraced people in their current condition. Not necessarily accepting their current condition, but saying, hey, I'm going to love you no matter what. That's what a family does. You've heard me say that people, when they come through these doors, they're looking for three things. They're looking for hope, help, and a place that they can call home. Hope in the Bible doesn't mean hope the way the world mentions hope. The world mentions hope in terms of lucky. Hey, maybe you'll get lucky, or, or maybe this will happen. I hope it happens. Hope in the Bible means confidence. And Jesus is our confidence, no matter what. And why can we say that? Because Jesus, he did what he said he was going to do. He was the real deal. He delivered the goods, so to speak. He died on the cross for all of our sins. He was our substitute there. And he rose to life on the third day. He defeated sin, death, and the devil. So he is our hope. He is our confidence in this life, no matter what tomorrow is going to hold. No matter what next week is going to hold. Jesus is our hope. He's our confidence. Everybody is looking for hope when they come in these doors. I think you're here this morning because you're looking for hope. And it can only be found in Jesus Christ, who says in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Second thing that everybody's looking for as they come through these doors is help. Isn't there something we're all battling? Isn't there an issue that we're, we feel like we're juggling it and we can't figure it out? It has us in a conundrum. We don't know if things are going to work out. Well, this is where we receive God's help. Through His Word, through the Lord's Supper. Our Lord is there to strengthen our faith, to bolster our faith and to give us help with whatever we face, and that we don't face it alone. And then also, because we are a family of believers, we're here to help one another. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. We're here to sharpen one another as people being in the family of God. And then lastly, home. Everybody's looking for a place where they know they're going to be accepted and loved no matter what. That's what we want to get across in our community, that our Savior is a family of God through the power of the Holy Spirit wants to add to the family because we want people to feel like this is home, that we care for them no matter what. And we're here to point people to Jesus no matter what. So we're a family. And sometimes in a family, we have to, yes, encourage one another, build one another up, pray for one another. And sometimes we even need to forgive one another. Look at your own earthly family. Do you always get along with everybody in your family? No. 
I have to share this with you. Uh, Billy Graham in an interview about 10 years ago with uh, Larry King, Larry King asked him, hey, do you, you and your wife ever fight? And he laughed. <laughs> and he said, no, we just have discussions. <laughs> I knew what that was code for. Don't we know? I mean, hey, we all have times, even with our spouse, that we're like, uh, you know, my wife and I, we have a great marriage, but I know there's some days she doesn't want to even pass me in the hallway. I know it. <laughs> I know it. I don't think today's one of those days, but, uh, but that's where you forgive. A family forgives. A marriage forgives. And why? Because Christ has forgiven us. And here in the family of God, we are to forgive. We're to reconcile. Uh, Colossians 3 says this, Make allowance for each other, for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Who in your family do you need to forgive? Hey, don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them. Is it a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad? A cousin? Is it someone in our family here? It's time to make things right. Your family. We're family. Family matters. Oh, that's the name of a show, too, isn't it? Family matters. <laughs> it does matter. We're the children of God. You know, we have done nothing to earn this great inheritance that we have as being in the family of God. Verse 17 says, We're heirs to the glory of Christ. And it goes on to, to say that we must also then share in Christ's suffering because we belong to his family. What's that mean? Well, it means sometimes being in the family of God because sometimes the world isn't always in lockstep with what God believes, right? And what God sets down. So we're in the family of God and at times we see the world going one way and yet, we as a family of believers are called to go another way. And there's that tension. And so what are we willing to sacrifice to be a part of the family of God? Are we willing to sacrifice our reputation to go God's way? Are we willing to sacrifice our income to do the right thing, to go God's way? What are we willing to give up? To be part of God's family. Jesus gave up his life so that we could be in his family. What are we willing to face and to give up to follow him? You know what? There's a great likelihood you'll never be asked to give up your own life. But you may have to sacrifice something else to stand up for biblical truth, to stand up for what God's Word says. God needs more people in His family who are loyal to Him. That's another thing about family. In family, there's loyalty. There's commitment. God is committed to us. Are we committed to Him?
We want other people in our midst to know about God's commitment to us. Studies say that we see anywhere from like 8 to 15 people during the course of a regular day of our lives, and usually around the same 8 or 15 people. Isn't that true? There's a great likelihood that there are at least two or three of those people who don't know about the family of God, or if they do know about the family of God, they've shunned it, they don't want to be a part of it. You know, when I talk to people about church, it's, it's sort of funny. You know, I'll, I'll be, sh- and I've been sharing a lot lately uh, where I live and where I've been going and I've been out in the community. And sometimes when I tell people I'm a pastor, I mentioned this in Bible class, it's like the kiss of death. They don't want anything to do with me after I say, hey, I'm a pastor. It's like, oh, okay, you know. And then sometimes it's like biblical trivial pursuit. The, uh, yesterday... I was sitting with this guy. He's like, well, could you tell me about Revelation chapter 11? And so we, uh, yeah, so you always have to be ready. And I was at this community event uh, yesterday, and I was called on to pray. I'm telling you, once they find you're a pastor, it says, man, you know, you're called on just like that, you know? And so these things happen out there. And they'll, I'll be sharing about the family of God, or ta- if it comes up, I'll, I'll point them in that direction. And they'll say, you know what, I've tried that before, but I don't like organized religion. And I have a comeback for that. And the comeback is this. Come to my church. We're not organized. <laughs> we are, but that's, uh, you know. So, but that's, that's what I tell them. You can use that if you want to. You can use it. But the point is this, we need to engage people that we know. We need to engage our community with the gospel of Christ. And it starts with relationships, getting to know people. That's how Jesus did it. He engaged people. He went where the people were. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to where people were because he wanted to bring them into his family. That's what has to happen here and will. I want to leave you with two challenges, an outreach challenge and an in-reach challenge. And I'll close my message with these two challenges. And maybe we'll beat the Baptist to lunch today. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Outreach challenge. Three people. Find three people after you pray about it, Find three people that you know need to find out about the benefits and the blessings of being in God's family. Write down their names. Pray for them. And look for ways the next 12 months, and I'll be mentioning these three people. I have my three people I'm working on. Okay. Look for ways the next year to engage these three people in conversation, in dialogue, in hopes that they find out about Christ. Somehow, some way. This is all part of scattering the seed. You know how Jesus talked about the parable of the sower and the seed? This is scattering the seed. The Holy Spirit's going to do the rest. Are you willing to scatter the seed? God willing, in God's way, in His time, it will fall on good soil. So that's the outreach challenge. Three people. Two of my people are in my neighborhood, so it's easy. <laughs> 
The next one is this. It's called an in-reach challenge. You know what I've learned about churches? Whether it, you know, it really isn't a Lutheran church, but really it's all churches. Everybody sits in the same spot, generally speaking, all the time. And nobody wants to sit up here. Nobody. And I'm wondering, do they think I'm on a call on them? You know, I'm not. I'll never call on you, I promise. You know, I may leave something open to see what somebody wants to say, you know, but... So the in-reach challenge is this. Since you pretty much sit in the same spot every time, view your spot as your neighborhood. It's like your neighborhood. Now, I want you to look around and say to one another, you know what? We're family. You're in my neighborhood. All right, do it. Do it right now. We're family. All right. You are. You are. Now, there's a reason I did that. You got your neighborhood here and your family. And if you notice somebody in your neighborhood that hadn't been here in two or three weeks, and I know in the summer people travel, it happens, yeah, you know. But if you know someone, and you know people better than me because I'm still new, I started April 1st. Isn't that funny? April Fool's Day is when I started. <laughs> and I moved in on a Friday the 13th. I tell you, that is really something. So you look around your family, you look around your neighborhood, and whoever's missing, you know what you should do? You should call them. You should call them. Say, hey, we love you here. We're your family. Is there something we can pray for you for? Anything you need? You know, it's my job to do that. It's my calling to do that. I do. Our elders do that. Other people do it. But it's all of us together because we're family. And family cares for family. So in your neighborhood, who's been missing? Give them a call. God loves them. He wants them back in the family to hear about his great love. And one more thing about family. There was an interesting study done in the 1990s, and I think I mentioned this in one of my Bible classes. It was called the Human Genome Project. And this project was done to see what all we have in common and how related we are to one another. And so basically, this project got samples, DNA samples, from like every tribe, every ethnicity, every background group, throughout the whole world. And you know what these scientists and these doctors figured out? And most of these are very acclaimed, went to Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, all of these places. Vanderbilt, perhaps, I, I hope, you know. But here's what they discovered. They discovered, by looking at all the families throughout the world, that no matter what background, no matter what race, that everybody is basically 99.999% the same genetically. Is that incredible? So now look around and say, we really are family. <laughs> you didn't want to do it the second time, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's something to think that you're, yeah, you are related. And you know what that said to me? It said to me that everything that this book says is true because we know that we are family. We're the children of God. And what these scientists 
decided, what they discovered was that those discoveries meant that we all came from one common female ancestor. Who do you think that is? Eve. <laughs> the family of God. There's no greater family to be in. And I thank the Lord for this family. May we continue to share the love of Christ with people out in the community and in our own midst because there's nothing better than being in the family of God. Amen? Amen.